It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, let's do it. Let's preview the Cowboys 49ers Week 5 showdown that will take place on Sunday Night Football. And man, oh man, it might be the game of the year. Tonight, we'll dive into the keys to win the matchup. We'll go behind enemy lines with a 49ers expert for ADZsports.com, Nicholas McGee. And we'll close out the show with the betting prediction and the score prediction for the game. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome to ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Thursday through every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Man Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and smash that like button. Hit that like and uh, put this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans for me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a fun night to be a Cowboys fan. And it's a fun weekend to be one as well. Because... It's honestly game of the year potential between the Cowboys and the Niners. As we kind of touched on last night, it is a bigger game for Cowboys fans than it is for 49ers fans. And it's okay to admit it. The Niners have had the number of the Cowboys last couple of years. Not only have they beaten Dallas in the playoffs in back-to-back years, but they have done so by completely slowing down the Cowboys offense. Dallas has brought in Brandon Cooks. They have made Mike McCarthy the offensive architect of the team. All because of those two games, for the most part, honestly. Because other than that, the Cowboys were efficient during the regular season. They had good years in the red zone. They had good seasons out of Dak Prescott. It was all about beating the big-time opponents in big-time moments. Now... Yes, this is only a week five showdown. And at the end of the day, mathematically, it will be nothing but a regular season game at the end of the year. But we know it means a little bit more than that. And tonight, we'll dive into the keys to the game. And then we'll go behind enemy lines and we'll talk to Nicholas McGee from ADZ Sports San Francisco for him to give us some insight on the other side, on everything that's going on with the Niners, and then we'll close out with betting the Cowboys and the score prediction. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, I I don't see this, Jay. I got to say, I disagree there, and I disagree pretty strongly here. But I'll, I'll, I'll open it up to the chat. Who is this a bigger game for? Because Jay here says, it is a bigger game for the Niners. They're playing America's team. I hate to say it this way because I'm not trying to like hate on our Cowboys or anything like that. But that's just branding and branding alone. 
I mean, yes, they had the most fans, most valuable franchise, all that. The Niners have been in the Cowboys. The Cowboys, the Niners have been to the Super Bowl recently. The Niners have been to the NFC Championship game recently, like just last year. In January, they were in the NFC Championship game. They were one game away from the Super Bowl again in 2022-2023. This is a bigger game for Dallas, easily. The Niners don't have anything to prove. The Cowboys have everything to prove. I cannot say that it is a bigger game for San Francisco. Let's see what the chat has to say, though. Peter Rizzo says, no way. Laquan says, bigger game for us. They've been in the playoffs last two years. Toxic says, this is the biggest game for Dak. Fair or not, a lot is riding on this game for him. Dallas for Phillip. We have one loss. It's Justin D, so it's a bigger for us, clearly. Yeah, even, even within the confines of the 2023 season, you can say that it is a bigger game for the Cowboys. Michael agrees. Peter says the same. I do agree. Jay Recruiter says Niners haven't won a Super Bowl. That's all that matters. Listen, that might be the trump card between us and our friends when we're cracking up in a, a couple of cold ones and talking sports. That might be like the trump card. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys have more Super Bowls. The Cowboys have won the Super Bowl more recently than the Niners and all that. But recently, with the current coaching staffs that these teams have and the current makeups that these teams have, the Niners have been the better team. The Niners have been the superior team. Let's just be fair in that sense. There is a reason why the Cowboys are openly talking about this being bigger than just a game, and the Niners are really not. The Niners know that it's a top-tier showdown in the NFC, and they know it's big. But it doesn't carry that underlying meaning that it carries for the Cowboys. Because to the, us, it's like, oh, if they beat San Francisco, then, then we're going to buy into it at a whole other level. Sure, we're buying into it because the Cowboys are pretty damn good. But winning in San Francisco would be absolutely huge. Now, let's get to how they can go about that. Let's go about, let, let's uh, talk about the keys to the game. So I'm going to talk about some matchups that the Cowboys absolutely need to make the most of. And I think it all starts in the trenches for Dallas. Because, man, that right side of the 49ers offensive line is definitely one of their weak points. When you talk about a Kyle Shanahan-led offense with Christian McCaffrey doing all that he's doing for the Niners, you got to look at the offensive line and you got to say, oh, this is where the Cowboys can destroy Things. This is where Michael Parsons can go crazy and Demarcus Lawrence as well. We have not really seen that much of Lawrence and Micah on the same side of the defensive line. I think this is the game where we start seeing a little bit more of that. That's because first, at right guard, man, the Niners have struggled. Spencer Buffard has 12 pressures allowed for the year, which is a very high number, especially when you consider that it's happened throughout the season. So he had four pressures allowed in week one, three more in week two, and then another four in week three. Had a better game versus the Cardinals, but also Arizona does not have a lot going on the defensive front specifically. But Buffard is definitely somebody that you can attack. Now, the good news for the Cowboys is that this doesn't necessarily mean having Ozo Digisuwa, for example, go crazy on him as a defensive tackle. 
Nah, because Dallas knows very well how to get Micah versus a guard, how to get Lawrence versus a guard. This is one of those games where you want Dan Quinn to go absolutely crazy while not sacrificing, you know, contain on the edges because you still want to force everything inside. But the Cowboys can wreak some havoc in there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners have several ways of getting away from the right side because, man, the Cowboys, man-to-man, they're going to win that matchup all day long. Now, it extends beyond the right guard because also right tackle Colton McKivitz has had some issues. If you look at his numbers season-wide, that might not be very noticeable, but it is noticeable on film. And then keep in mind that when he faced top-tier competition, so I'm talking about the Steelers here, defensive line-wise, he had a rough game. Five pressures allowed, and he allowed three sacks versus TJ Watt and friends. That's not ideal. That's not ideal when you're up against Micah, D-Law, and those are like the leaders of the unit that we like to mention. But then Dante Fowler subs in, and he's a nightmare. I mean, we just saw him uh, strip sack Mac Jones in week four. Sam Williams is also not fun to go up against. The Cowboys are going to have answers, in my opinion. The Cowboys are going to have answers to really get after Brock Purdy from the right side and even just wreck some havoc, even in the run game. Honestly, I think they can be attacked. So that is the number one matchup that you need to win if you are the Cowboys, in my opinion, because that is your biggest strength, the pass rush and the defensive line and Micah and everything versus the Niners' biggest weakness, probably roster-wise. We'll talk about some defensive issues for the Niners shortly, but I think that just overall, this is the Cowboys' biggest strength, and it matches up very well versus the Niners' biggest weakness. So it is the matchup that can make or break the game. It is the matchup that can win the Cowboys the ball game. That easy. There are other matchups that are key, but this is the one that can make you think, oh, the Cowboys can get the win here in the third edition since uh, 2021. Let's see here, though, about some of your comments. The key to the games is toxic is for Dallas to score more points in San Francisco. Oh, I thought this was a joke, but no. Here it goes. Prior to the end of the fourth quarter. Huh. Interesting. That is interesting. Maybe maybe what uh, toxic means here in a deeper way is, you know, maybe not making it a coaching showdown at the end of the... Oh, before the end of the fourth quarter. Oh, wait. I, I thought that you meant... I thought that you meant entering the fourth quarter. So I was like, wait, what? Okay, it was a joke after all. Yeah, that's that's definitely the key to the game. <laughs> Toxic Tom, you got me there. I thought that you meant like entering the fourth quarter, like entering, like ending the third with a lead is what I understood for some reason. And that reason being that I misread. What does says 49ers offense is in trouble and they don't know it yet, but they will soon. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, That is key number one to the game for me, attacking the right side of the Niners' offensive line. And then you get to the turnover conversation. And I got to say, I don't want to sound like a talking head on national TV or anything like that. But avoid turnovers, dot, 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 in quick game. I say this because I believe the Cowboys are going to come out and they're going to 
you know, stick to the quick game stuff that they've been sticking to four weeks into the season. The Cowboys want to get rid of the football quickly. They want to have Dak Prescott take a three-step drop under center, maybe a one-step drop from the shotgun, and just target Michael Gallo, target CeeDee Lamb, just fire that off quickly. CeeDee Lamb, obviously. I think the game plan will be more or less the same in that sense versus the Niners. I think Dallas is going to want to come out and just boom, 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 lasers. Use Dak Prescott's high mental processing skills because I believe that's his biggest strength. And we've talked about that for a long time here on the show. But now with the whole West Coast offense approach is being much more noticeable. I think that Dak's footwork looks much cleaner as opposed to other years. And I think that's absolutely huge for the Cowboys entering this game. But the turnovers, if they do happen, they have to happen when you're looking for the explosive play. Because if suddenly the Niners you know, take you off balance in what you're trying to do, which is going to be quick game, in my opinion, in the passing game at least, then things could get a little bit ugly. If suddenly the Cowboys lose confidence in what's been working for them and what has worked for other teams versus the Niners, because, man, the Cardinals ran a lot of quick game versus San Francisco, and it kind of worked. Not entirely so, but, hey, Dak Prescott has the fourth least or the fourth lowest turnover-worthy plays uh, percentage in the NFL. So he's not really risking the football a whole lot. Brock Purdy is all the way down at 26th. Brock Purdy might throw you the football. And this is not hate on Brock, who I've talked about this on the show. The kid deserves some respect, but he's also going to give you some opportunities, and that will be key for the Cowboys. They're going to have to make the most out of that. And then... Finally, well, not finally, but close to finally before the enemy inside segment. Darts after the catch is going to be the story of this game in more ways than one. You look at the Niners versus the Cardinals game, and they throw the football in quick game. Joshua Dobbs was 15 for 20 in throws under nine yards. And the Cardinals were catching them. They were moving the ball a little bit. But, man, the Niners do not give you yards after the catch. They swarm to the football. They've got Hufanga at safety. They've got Fred Warner at linebacker. We'll see if Dre Greenlaw ends up playing. I think he was limited today, so he's trending maybe in the right direction. He might be banged up. But they've got players that swarm to the football. So you're going to have to fight for those yards after the catch. And you're going to have to be very patient. Like, Dallas is going to want to stick to the script as much as possible and just march downfield, put together long, long drives and not fall into what the Niners are going to want them to do, which is potentially drop deep and risk the football down the field because they've got the pass rush that then they can get to you. Now, good news is the Cowboys are expected to have their full offensive line, which is absolutely amazing. Full offensive line versus the 49ers should make a big difference, especially when you consider Dallas last year played the Niners with Tyler Smith at left tackle, Tyron at right tackle, Connor McGovern was the left guard. So yards after the catch, gaining them. We need CD to make those, you know, force those missed tackles out wide and in the slot. I think that CD might see 
some additional time outside more than we believe at least. I, I could see that happening for sure. But then also on the other hand, the Niners, they are jack machines. They are getting that jack every single week. And George Kittle is getting it. Christian McCaffrey is getting it. Ayuk not so much. But he's still a dangerous player in my opinion. Debo is obviously getting yards after the catch. This is a game where both cornerback groups are going to be forced to tackle and defensive backs too, like safeties included. They're going to be forced to tackle in the open spaces and that's going to make or break the game as well. Because I I know that we've talked about tackling the Niners, but keep in mind, it's also going to be about the Cowboys forcing the Niners to make some tackles. And I would assume the Cowboys are going to be pretty aggressive personnel-wise and are going to try to take the Niners out of base defense and more into nickel looks. Because when they are on base, and shout out to Nate Ties from Yahoo who had this amazing stat, when, when the Niners are in base personnel, they are top six in defensive success rate versus the run. They go down to 22nd when they are uh, in a nickel personnel group. So that would tell you that, hey, their defensive backs do not have so much fun tackling and stopping the run. But also in the passing game, like getting the football to CD, allowing him to get the jack and all that is going to be key. And last but not least, before the enemy insight segment, the McCarthy explosives, I'm going to call them. It's going to be difficult to come up with explosives versus this defensive front because, man, Nick Bosa is good. Javon Kinlaw is good. Hargrave is good. They've got some, some weapons on the defensive line to say it one way. But, but if you are Dallas and you are trying to push the ball downfield, you're going to have to manufacture some stuff. And I believe this is where Mike McCarthy can really show that he's up to take those risks. We talked about Max Protect earlier in the season, earlier in the week. We talked about the different looks that the Cowboys are getting into Max Protect. And I believe we're going to see some of that on Sunday versus the Niners. And it's going to be a way to maybe generate those explosive plays. Dak is running a lot of play action. I think that that will continue to be the case. There's going to be some shot plays Early in the game, I believe maybe Brandon Cooks finally connects with Dak Prescott on a big, big play. And at the end of the game, I think we're going to look back at one or two games that really made a difference, be it for the Niners or be it for the Cowboys. So we'll see how all of that looks like. Those are the keys to the game, in my opinion. But this is from our point of view. We're going to listen to Nicholas McGee now from ADZ Sports San Francisco, and I believe his insight is going to be fun. But before we get to that, let me say, let me read some of your comments here. Willem says, so listening to your commentary there, I'm thinking that the Cowboys offense got to make the Niners linebackers go side to side to maybe wear them out. Then the Cowboys defensive front have to gear up when the 49ers run, run to grab up wealth to force Purdy in long yardage situations. Yeah, for sure, William. Like, I think that's a pretty good game script. If it happens this way and Purdy is forced back, is forced uh, to drop back in true drop back scenarios, that's how you want to win this ball game. That's not hate on Brock Purdy. 
but I think everyone knows that allowing Christian McCaffrey to dictate the game is not is not the way you want to beat the Niners, right? Like that's the one thing that you want to take away first and then force the Niners to do everything else. Guru says, I doubt that vertical passing is not in this Mike McCarthy dink and dunk offense. One dip shot and that's it. Yeah, they definitely want to keep things short, but every offense is going to have ways to generate explosives. And versus the Niners, it's going to tough to get those explosives with yards after the catch. I think it's going to have to be those shot plays. I think there's going to have to be those max protect concepts to really allow Prescott to have one second more in this or that play to really push the football down the field. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the enemy lines and let's talk to Nicholas McGee from ADZ Sports San Francisco. This was my conversation with him. I hope that you guys enjoy it. And then we'll get to the betting the Cowboys segment because I have my pick at the ready. I'm confident in it. We're 3-1 and one for the season. And of course, we had a very successful 2022 campaign. So I'm excited about getting to that as well. But first... Ladies and gentlemen, Nicholas McGee. Us now on ADZ Sports Dallas primetime is none other than Nicholas McGee, who covers the 49ers for ADZ Sports. Nick, how are you? Game of the year vibes. It's Thursday, and we are excited about it. I'm doing very well, Mal. Very excited. Like you say, game of the year so far in, in kind of any either conference, any, any week, it's yeah, this is definitely the one that gets the juices flowing. And man, the 49ers and the Cowboys, they are like the top of the NFC right now. Obviously, the Eagles are involved in that whole conversation. They've had some issues here and there, but it's still the top three of the conference. It's always been the top three. And now we get the first taste of the year. We haven't gotten Niners-Eagles yet. We haven't gotten Cowboys-Eagles yet this season. So this is like the first NFC juggernaut uh, showdown that we've got. Last night on Primetime, Nick, I went in-depth to what has changed for the Cowboys since January 22nd, 2022nd, when we lost to the Niners. And, you know, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of changes. The offensive line looks completely different. But I wanted to ask you and get your perspective. What has changed? Like, what, what do you think are the biggest changes that have happened for the 49ers who vastly look like the same team? But there have been some tweaks here and there. There's been some tweaks here and there. Um, not much has changed on offense. It's very much the Christian McCaffrey show. You saw that at the weekend against the Cardinals. So the whole offense revolves around him at this point. Um, as long as he's healthy, it's, he's going to be dictating both the running game and a lot of the passing game. Main changes have been on defense. Um, predominantly the um, switch to Steve Wilkes, taking over from D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator after Ryans left for Houston. has been very successful so far. Um, there hasn't been like a huge like schematic change in the defense. It's just a few things like there's occasionally a little bit more aggressive. They're starting to get some more diverse blitz packages. They dialed it down a little bit against Arizona. There wasn't really any need to blitz them too heavily because they were so far in front so early on. Um, but you've seen a few more. They'll, play, they'll put um, five defensive linemen down on the front, and that's been very effective in getting five one-on-ones, particularly on the inside with Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and Javon Hargrave. And Hargrave really is the kind of like the biggest change probably throughout the entire team. Um, last year, you saw it particularly glaringly, even though we didn't have a quarterback uh, in the common title game against Philadelphia, the defensive line got pushed around a little bit. And that wasn't in the interior. Harry Carmson was only healthy for half the year. Joanne Kinlaw wasn't really healthy. And 
wasn't reaching the standard he has done so far this season. Um, but Hargrave has really changed all that. They've got what they recognise free starting interior defensive lineman, but Hargrave has been the one that's uh, alongside Nick Bosa has created most of the, uh, the pressure up front and has been just, just as advertised for everything. So that's really changed um, how this front can just pile on the pressure. They, they, they're a lot deeper than they were last year. It might not show in the, in the sack numbers last week against Arizona, who did a decent job, but they're, they're getting pressure all the time. And he's the one that's really changed that for them. It feels like, and you mentioned the Arizona Cardinals game, and it feels like this is one where we could see a similar attack, honestly, from the Cowboys. Obviously, mm -hmm. the Cardinals deserve more respect than they've gotten. And I don't say that just because they beat the Cowboys, but just like overall, they put their mm -hmm. opponents in certain complicated situations here and there. Joshua Dobbs was 15 for 20 versus the 49ers in short yardage throw. So zero mm -hmm. to nine yards. So he was doing some good damage in there. The Cardinals came into the game with some quick game concepts. That's what the Cowboys are doing. The Cowboys are actually dead last in the NFL in intended air yards per attempt because they're yeah. just getting rid of the football very quickly. And I remember even since the divisional round loss from the Cowboys to the Niners, we got into that game thinking, oh, where you can hurt the Niners is at cornerback. Not mm -hmm. because it's a weak unit, but it's like out of an elite defense, that's like what I would much rather go up against and yeah. avoid Fred Warner at all costs, who is a mm -hmm. literal superhuman out there on the playing field. And the same with Nick Bosa. I don't want to drop back seven steps just to throw deep when yeah. Nick Bosa is coming at me. So would you agree with that? Would you agree that if yeah. you are... A NFL team trying to target the Niners, you got to go after the cornerbacks. Yeah, I'd agree with everything you said there. It's not, it wasn't just the Cardinals. You'd be right about everything you said about the Cardinals. Was a lot of quick game um, last last week. And that's been the case with a lot of the teams we've played. And, I mean, the Giants never, never really got going anyway, shape or form. But the Rams, the week before that, in week two, with the superstar Puka Nakua, who's emerging, they were a lot, a lot of quick game in that one as well. And Stafford was getting the ball out. I mean, Stafford also, also threw some dimes, but a lot of it was quick game. And yeah, I think I think they they have an issue at the corner in the um, Chavarius Ward, their number one corner mispractice on Wednesday with a heel issue. That's been kind of a lingering thing. Um, it seems to become a little bit more serious, but I would still imagine he'll play. He's their top cornerback by by any measure. Um, but beyond that, um, there are certainly weaknesses. John Madonna is a decent starter, but he's certainly exploitable, particularly if you get CD Lamb on him at any point. Um, he played well against the Cowboys last year in the playoffs and had that interception, but he, he has his up and down moments. Um, they've kind of been rotating up Lenore in between, plus starting on the outside and playing in the slot because they're not really sure 100% of what they're doing in the slot really. They've got some good some good play out of, out of Isaiah Oliver, who they brought up from the Falcons, but he's been up and down as well. They kind of rotate Lenore in and out um, between the outside and the slot. I think he's best on the outside. And uh, last week against the Cardinals, when he did play inside, the Cardinals had some joy attacking um, Ambry Thomas, who comes in on those. When Lenore, when Lenore kicks inside, Thomas comes in and plays, takes his spot on the outside. And he is, again, the one that's kind of been up and down. And the Cardinals had some joy against him last week just on, on one series. And that ended in a touchdown to Michael Wilson, I believe. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely like, room for optimism for the Cowboys in attacking that, that corner group. And it's, I, I agree with you, it will be a case of they're going to get the ball out quickly because. If you're holding, if you're doing seven step drops, holding the ball forever, those guys gonna get home eventually. Yeah, and you mentioned like Lenore and the fact that they move him around. I've noticed that, and it's been kind of weird because I don't exactly know what the wide receiver cornerbacks matchups are gonna be. Because we know that CD spends most of his time in the slot. He can be mm -hmm. kicked outside 
at any moment. And he can also be a vertical threat in that area. But I wouldn't know exactly like what to expect for, for CD in this lot and for, mm -hmm. say, Brandon Cooks on the outside. And the Cowboys mm -hmm. are having some rotation there with Michael Gallup and Jalen Tolbert. They're changing things up at wide receiver. But just for the most part, and you mentioned Charvarius Warth is dealing with an injury. Who do you think is going to spend the most time on CD, on number 88, at least when he's in the slot? And would the 49ers consider shadowing him at all or not? It's an interesting one. And they don't play, even though they've become a little bit more aggressive, they don't play too much man. So I'm not sure about shadowing. Um, it's a tough one because Lamb's quite a, a big receiver as well. I think he's a good route runner as well. So he's kind of presents a, a, a quite a big problem for the Niners, really, in that they, Lenore kind of comes in for the, um, when they've got those matches against kind of shiftier, quicker slot receivers, whereas Isaiah Oliver was a player that's signed to be the starting slot receiver, relies more on a bit of his physicality and the frame that he has there that can be vulnerable as well. So it's, it's he kind of presents an ideal problem in terms of, not sure if I'd want either of those guys going up against him too much. Um, given how much zone they play, I think you'll probably see a lot of brackets. I think you'll see a lot of Fred Warner involved kind of trying to squeeze things in the slot. So that extra help inside, try and squeeze things, make things look, make Dak be really precise, which is obviously what he can do very well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect too much shadowing of him. And it'll probably be a kind of a mix and match situation, which is what they've done for most of the season. One of the things that I'm looking the forward the most to watching about this game is just we talked about the fact that the Cowboys had so they had Tyron Smith at right tackle last year when he really belongs at left tackle mm -hmm. and Tyler Smith was not at guard he was at tackle and he's definitely a more dominant guard than he is on the outside and then mm -hmm. Connor McGovern is no longer a factor there I kind of look forward into seeing how the Cowboys offensive line which is trending in the right direction to maybe finally fingers crossed Cowboys fans to have their five starting offensive line uh, linemen up front. And Dak has been the third least pressured QB in the league this year. Now, yes, that's also because of the quick game stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So he's not taking these seven-step drops and all of that. So I'm, I'm also looking forward to seeing how often the Niners blitz in this game because they hit the Cowboys with some very timely blitzes last year. Yeah. And that's going to be a battle in and of itself. Like, you know, when the Steve Wilkes turn the pressure up and you really mentioned earlier in the show like the differences between Wilkes and uh Dimiko Ryans which haven't been a whole lot but it's been like some tweaks here and there now flipping the script a little bit let's talk about the Niners offense mm -hmm. I do walk away from studying these games during the week feeling the exact same that I did before the divisional round game where you're like oh they're equally as tough they still have all of their high-end collection of weapons. And it's the same story in the sense that you can attack the right side of the offensive line, but man, yeah. the Niners make it tough on opponents to attack them with everything that they do and all of the misdirection. Any changes at all on the Christian McCaffrey show, as you mentioned it, or as you named it earlier? Not not particularly. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I wish I had a better answer for you, but it hasn't, it hasn't really changed too much. I think... Yeah, if I, if I was going to throw an emphasis beyond McCaffrey, it's when he's healthy. It, I think the straw beyond McCaffrey, the straw that serves a drink among actual wide receivers, tight ends is Brandon Ayuk. Um, and yeah. that's probably the biggest change in how much of a focal point he's become. And that started that started happening towards the end of last year when Diego Samuel was out in 
out of an injury and him and Brock Purdy developed an excellent rapport. And you saw that last week against the Cardinals, isn't that this is a receiver who's really developing into probably a top 10 receiver in the league. He can do everything. He can go He can go downfield. He can do it yards after the catch things. He can win with his route, route running. So it's just kind of his emergence put as kind of like maybe the second focal point in the offense behind Christy McCaffrey is one of the biggest uh, changes from a strictly personnel standpoint, um, but it's still very much the same kind of offensive running game hasn't changed. It's still a lot of outside inside zone, but it'll throw a lot of gap scheme runs at you. They'll pull, they'll pull the guards a hell of a lot now. Um, Aaron Banks, the left guy, is having a tremendous season, uh, both pass protection and uh, in, in run blocking as well. It's about finished with the tape for this week, and he yeah, he stood, stood out again. Um, yeah, and Shane Shanahan's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to misdirection. He's going to try and torment your linebackers. And he'll do that a lot with with Debo and, and McCaffrey in motion and, and try and, and create leverage for, the, for those motions and play action and just create those voids in the middle of the field, man, which is what, which is what he does best. And it, it has, I haven't seen anybody can stop it yet. Um, but I think Dan Quinn had a good plan last year. We saw it, that playoff game was a tense one. It was decided by a few plays and a juggling circus catch from George Kittle. It was... It was a lot closer battle than it was a year before. Um, so I think Dan Quinn has, has good hand on Shanahan because obviously they used to work together. So it will be a, a really interesting uh, chess match to watch. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like this game might be a little bit of a change-up in the sense of maybe it's a little bit more of an offensive game that the division round was because that was yeah. kind of like a weird game. You know, 19-12, to 12, the Cowboys were containing the edge. They were stopping the Niners, honestly. The, the Niners as well to the Cowboys. But I, I kind of get the feeling that this might go a little bit different. This might be more of a, you know, fireworks type game. And I'm excited to see if that can be the case. Now, you mentioned Ayuk's increased role. And I agree with you, man. Like, it feels like he's taking a step forward as a receiver. And then he is such a physical blocker. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like he's like a tight end at times for the Niners. It's so crazy to see how, how consistent he is as, in that area. And you mentioned McCaffrey is the number one focal point, obviously. And then you mentioned that maybe Ayuk was the number two. Mm -hmm. I, I was curious about that. One of the questions that I wanted to pose to you was, obviously, we know about the collection of talent that you guys have. How would you rank them, like the biggest names, as say that, if, say that you are preparing to face the Niners, who am I worrying the most about? I, I agree that it starts with, with uh, McCaffrey. But then mm -hmm. after that, it's kind of like a very difficult question with how they use George Kittle, how they use Debo. How would you rank those worries? This kind of runs contrary to what I just said. <laughs> anyway, so as much as I think awesome. Ayuk is like a second guy in terms of everything you can do, I think if you're game planning for them, you're most worried in McAfee about just that threat of Debo and them being used in much a similar way just because he's so versatile. Um, and I think you saw that on Thursday Night Football when Ayuk was out. And Debo and Debo was kind of like the number one after McCaffrey in terms of like actual pass catches, um, just everything he can do in motion and carrying the ball out the backfield and just after the catch and that what happens when they get him into open space. Um, yeah, I think that as much as I, I love Brandon Ayuk and how much he's, he's come on, I think the two that you, when you're sitting down to game plan for the Niners' offense, you know these two guys can put a hell of a lot of stress on our defense and make and cause huge problems because those voids. In the open field, don't in the middle of the field, often don't exist without McCaffrey or about Debo Samuel. Those those are the two that make it happen. For sure. Now that, that's a very good answer. And then I, I will just say, like, I'm excited to seeing how they match up against the Niners because it's just such a big problem to match up against them. And the way that the Cowboys are set up, where they have this uh, 
group of safeties, right? Playing linebacker basically yeah. at times. And then they had like this big nickel type defense. I don't know if it changes a whole lot where, for example, if Debo gets in the backfield, I don't know if it changes your defensive look a whole lot versus what you would have versus a running back. And that's yeah. just uh, speaks volumes about what the, what the Niners do with, with Debo. So I can see wh where you're coming from saying that Debo is that second concern for sure. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, man, I, I would just say, let's get into the Brock Purdy conversation. <laughs> I, I, I do not agree with the hate on, on that yeah. guy, man. He he's been, he's done what he's asked to do and people can talk about Kyle Shanahan and the collection of talent, man, that's not on him. That's not, yeah. you cannot blame him for any of that. The guy is consistent. I do agree with some questions like, have we seen him trailing enough? And maybe that is a fair concern and a, and a fair question. But again, it's not like that is his fault that he's not trailing in all of these yeah. ball games. So that aside, and, and something that I mentioned last night on the show, I didn't realize at the time, because maybe I was just frustrated with Trayvon Diggs whiffing on the tackle or whatever. I didn't realize how special that George Kittle oh, catch really yeah. was from the Brock Purdy perspective. Obviously, yeah. we knew about George Kittle, but man, I didn't quite remember him rolling to the left the way that he was, throwing across his body. That was some insane playmaking ability right there from him. Yeah. Any any weaknesses, though, that you have perceived from him in the very yeah. limited amount of playing time that we've seen him play? Because it feels like one of those guys that you want to get into true drop-back situations, but then you see him get through his progressions very comfortably from your perspective that you follow the Niners very closely. What have mm -hmm. you seen from him that you think, hey, maybe he can be attacked this way? Because this is a cowboy show, right? That This is what we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are definitely some. Um, I think the main one is that as much as this flies, because he's, he's in the top 10 in completion percentage over expectation this year, but despite that a lot of his passes are offline sometimes that's yeah. probably make like so he, and he'll 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 rip it in there he's not afraid and so he'll, he'll take a lot of risk i think mean, you saw that again if you go back to the giants game you saw that first drive against the giants so at least two turnover but worthy players there um so he'll put the ball in harm's way even though he hasn't been intercepted since week 17 of last season um but and a lot of his passes are off offline uh i apologize for the background noise uh, it's it's uh nah, in the time of my house with the little ones. it's okay it's uh, okay man um yeah little boy's clearly enjoying his food um but he often <laughs> he often negates that um the kind of like offline nature of his throws he throws with great anticipation and the ball is regularly out before before the wide receivers in, in enter his break so that's sometimes like you see a lot of like catches being made, like whatever he's kind of just made a minor adjustment to a ball thrown behind him, and so his anticipation often negates that some of the, the initial throws look to be off target. Um, he can be a bit if you his footwork on on deep throws. I watch a lot of the um, JT O'Sullivan breakdowns that he does that are very good, and he he points that out. They're like yeah, while he's while his base is often excellent, particularly on the short to intermediate stuff on. On deep throws, it can get his footwork can get a little iffy. So there's an area there if he pushes the ball downfield and the Cowboys are in good coverage, there could be opportunities for kind of takeaways there. Um, but yeah, you, you're right in that I think the kind of questions have gone a bit too far. And in terms of like giving too much credit, to, you, know, you can never give too much credit to Shanahan, but you have to look at what this this guy is doing. He's he's clearly an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, and I, I've loved Jim, loved Jimmy for everything he did for the franchise since since 2017. And he's a nice guy who. Did the best he could, but there are things I think 
Purdy just processes faster, particularly under pressure. He's very poised under pressure, like you say, and he'll move in the pocket to avoid pressure. And he has that little extra playmaking ability. And I mean, he just, he just sees the field and is prepared to be a bit more decisive. I think that's everything that Carl Shanahan wants in the quarterback. And he had that playmaking source, which is kind of what they wanted with Trey Lance, but never had the chance to try and get it. I think they've got enough of it with Purdy to where this is the quarterback that they wanted. Um, even if there are some weaknesses, but I think those are weaknesses that uh, Shanahan will will accept if he's going to get what he's going to get on most every week out of, out of him. I agree with a lot of what you just said. And hey, by the way, if you guys have not seen it, guys in the chat and everything, definitely go watch the JTO Sullivan breakdown for at least uh, the Cardinals game. I, I mm-hmm. consume the JTO Sullivan content at a very high rate. Like I sit down for breakfast, JTO Sullivan is on my TV. I sit down for dinner. JTO Sullivan is on my TV. Uh, I've signed up to his courses. He, he's amazing at what he does, man. He he's deserves very, very all of the love. He, he really does. So, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Before we let you go, though, before we let you go, here's with a prediction, man. Here's with a prediction. Unless you always save it for Friday or something like that, then we're going to respect that. But if you are good with sharing this prediction, hit uh, us with it. Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a very, very tight game. And I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. It, it might be a bit of a throwback to those old 80s and 90s um, Cowboys games where it was a bit of an offensive fire show. Just because I think you saw the, the Cowboys get back in the groove, even though it was a pick six against that terrible Patriots offense. Um, yeah. But you still saw the Cowboys get back in the groove a bit on offense after the, after the Cardinals game. And the Niners just been scoring at a ridiculous rate. So I think it, I could see the two offenses dominating this game. Yeah, and I think it'll be very, very close again. Um, just when it's at home, and I think the Niners have, there will be a lot of Cowboys fans there, but the Niners have got very, very good home crowd these days. So I think I think I'll just side with the Niners, but like very, very tight margin by a field goal. Amazing. Okay, hopefully, hopefully it goes the Cowboys way. But Nick, I do appreciate your time. Uh, it's been the most international, worldwide <laughs> crossover that we've ever done. An ADZ Sports Dallas primetime because you've got me in Mexico talking about the Cowboys. We've got you in the UK talking about the Niners. Appreciate your time, man. Where can people follow you? And thanks so much again. Yeah, ADZ Sports, uh, just like yourself, you'll find all my Niners content on there and sometimes dip into some of NFC West stuff as well. Uh, my ex these days, where actually I the name of that site correct, is uh, at Nicholas McGee24. So you can, you can find all my content on there. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. There you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Nicholas McGee. I appreciate him. How do I get myself back on the screen, though? All right, there you go. Sorry for that boomer moment right there. Hope that you guys enjoyed all that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the prediction. I saw somebody in there say that they need the flashcards, they needed drawings. I was doing this because I had pre-recorded that uh, call. I was drawing some counterplays. <laughs> That's what I was doing. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for joining the show. Let's get into the predictions. But now, drop your own predictions in the chat. Ladies and gentlemen, betting the Cowboys. Man, oh, man, what a predicament. The game is tough. Just picking an outright winner is tough. Don't let nobody tell you that the Cowboys cannot win this game because I think that is just crazy to say. Cowboys absolutely can win this one. And they can keep it close. They can, in my opinion, expose a little bit some of the 49ers' defensive issues. We've talked about the cornerbacks. Nick mentioned some of the cornerback issues. I think they need to go against Lenore. 
And even, you know, Isaiah Oliver too, like they need to go against those corners, be aggressive with the passing game, quick passing game even, but just stay aggressive, try to stay ahead of the sticks. Going to be a fun game. Some of your predictions are already in the chat. Gregory going with the 28-24. Joey Vallas is 30-17. Cowboys, oh my God. Bob says 27-24. So, you know, Cowboy Chris 24-14. Guru is going against the Dallas Cowboys going with the 26-17 score for San Francisco. First and foremost, betting the Cowboys were 2-1 and one for the year. 3-1, and one, excuse me, for the year. And, of course, we had a very successful record last year. I stayed away from the spread, even though I was excited about Cowboys plus 3.5. If it was 2.5 for Dallas, I would not have considered it. But three and a half looked pretty good to me, like half a point over a field goal. I think there's some value in there. But I'm going to go with a total pick for betting the Cowboys this week. I'm going with the over, over 45 points. I think this is going to be a slighter, more offensive showdown than whatever we saw in the divisional round playoffs. I think that the Niners are more comfortable with Brock Purdy. And I think the Cowboys offense is absolutely better than it was in January 22nd, 2022nd. So 22nd, excuse me. So we're going with the over 45. It is the first total that we bet on betting the Cowboys this year. For those who are unfamiliar with the segment, the only rule is that the payout needs to be minus 110. Because that way we can stick to the mathematical principle that we need to win 52.4% of our bets in order to turn in a profit. All of this being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the prediction. You guys know that I pick against the Cowboys when it is time to pick against the Cowboys. Uh, It's not a cheerleading show or anything like that. I keep it real as much as I can. My prediction for this game, however, is 27 Cowboys, 24 San Francisco. I got the Cowboys winning the game. I've I've gone over many of the reasons why I believe Dallas can win. Ultimately, though, I do look at the at the Cowboys' defense as the strongest defense of the game. We've seen them stop the Niners. We've seen them hold Christian McCaffrey for 35 yards in 10 attempts. On the other side, we've talked about the offensive improvements. And I think that's going to show on Sunday. I've got the Cowboys protecting Dak Prescott from Nick Bosa and friends, you know, with a full offensive line back. Right now, they are the third least pressured passing offense in the NFL. And that's because of quick game. And that's also because of the offensive linemen up front. PFF has the Cowboys as the fourth best, third best, excuse me, offensive line entering week five. And I agree with them reaching that status as long as they are healthy. So, I see the Cowboys being more comfortable with Dak Prescott on their center. I see the Cowboys betting on quick game. And I see them generating some explosives here and there. So, I've got the Cowboys again, 27-24. Let's get to Sunday. I'm excited about it. I see some of your comments out here. Toxic Tom even is going with Dallas. Katharina going with Dallas. Mark Aaron sticks with the 49ers. Gilbert goes with Dallas. Man. It's going to be a fun game. 
was a long show. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime and for the rest of the week. I will see you on Sunday, 8 p.m. Central. No, actually not because it's a Sunday night football game. So I'll actually be seeing you until Monday night. Now that I think about it, I forgot about that for a second. We'll be seeing each other on Monday night, maybe with a, a little bit of a cooler head. So I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing you. Hopefully, we're talking about a Cowboys win. You know how we roll. And have a fantastic weekend, man. Enjoy the fact that this is a very big game with game of the year potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hit the like button for me, and I'll see you el lunes. Muchas gracias. Bye-bye.